Hi, and welcome back to Game Time Podcast with your hosts, Alex Rubinson and Shai Black. Boy, we were hoping for some free agency frenzy, and we definitely got it. Quarterbacks moving all over the board, major trades happening left and right. So, Shai, let's get right into it because it's, because it's game, game time. time. So, Shai, who's actually on FaceTime today due to the uh, unfortunate and... Uh, difficult times surrounding really not just the U.S., but the entire world in terms of the coronavirus. Where would you like to start? Wow, I think I, I, there's so many places to begin here, uh, so much action. Probably one of the most entertaining free agencies we've had in a long while. I think just because of the, um, the quarterbacks. We've never really had right. a quarterback market, you know, usually... There's not enough quarterbacks to go around. This time, there's a bigger, there's more sub, there's more of a supply than a demand. Right. There are definitely going to be uh, spots for maybe some starters last year that are going to have to play as backups because all the other starting slots are filled, or we'll have to try to compete uh, for a starting spot. So I think for a sort of a starting point, why don't we start with that robust quarterback market? All right. Do you want? Let's start with the big fish, and uh, that would be Tom Brady. Boy, was that a... It was a shocker. I mean, even when it started to look like he would leave New England, when he posted that statement uh, on social media, it really... Again, even though it looked like he might be leaving, that really kind of caught me caught me off guard a little. Yeah, with, it seemed by every sort of day that passed, the speculation was growing that he was going to leave New England... I, for one, was still steadfast in the fact that I thought he was going to stay. And I think a lot of um, higher-up analysts with more insight thought that he would as well. But we got some. Then there's, so there's a fair number that also thought he would leave. And I think, you know, it's really hit a lot of us by surprise. I just want to say we have some breaking news on a Game Time podcast. Derek Wolf is signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, so that that's definitely going to be... You know, we were just talking about before the podcast how with the Michael... Uh, Michael Brockers, Brockers deal falling signing. through. He was supposed to go to Baltimore. Obviously, something went wrong with the medicals and his physical after he had suffered a sprained ankle. So anyway, they're going to be, I guess, replacing Brockers, who end up going back to the Rams with Derek Wolf Again, though, they only agreed to terms. So we'll see if this deal ends up uh, going all the way, and he actually ends up suiting up for Baltimore. Yeah, but that it is still a little bit of a downgrade from from this to at the same time. I don't, we don't know the details of the deal, but it should be much cheaper as well. Yeah, much more team friendly deal. Uh, back to back to the back to Tom Brady. Um, look, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers—they're a playoff team now. I know you're more skeptical than I am. But for me, this is, this is what people don't realize. In DVOA, one of the new analytic measurements, defensive adjusted value over average, according to Football Outsiders, which is one of the main analytical sites that kind of processes all the data and then kind of is able to spit out all these numbers. So DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ranked fifth. I believe. Fifth. Now, this isn't a, you know, be-all, end-all where, oh, yep, they're a top-five defense. 
They're not, but the point is, they're an underrated defense. You look at what they did outside of Tom Brady. They had the best, number one rushing defense in the NFL. Well, they had a lot of free agents on that defensive line. They bring back Shaquille Barrett with a franchise tag. They sign Jason Peter-Paul to a two-year, $27 million deal. And then they bring in the Dominican Sioux, <clears throat> excuse me, to a one-year, $8 million deal. So now, if you look at the linebacking core along with the defensive line, you have Vita Vea, Ndamukong Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, Devin White, Levante David, and Shaquille Barrett. This is an underrated defense to go along with now a very explosive offense with a quarterback who's going to take care of the football. Yeah, I have to agree with you. That, that defense is being slept on a little bit. But the secondary is definitely an area of, uh, of concern, an area of need that we'll hopefully have them address in the uh, in the upcoming draft, which is still scheduled to take place on April 23rd. They have, April 23rd, 25th. They have but, some nice young players in that secondary who are still developing. So, But I do think they need more of a, you know, of a guy who's going to either, you know, be able to cover number one receivers or go sideline to sideline as a free safety, as a back half of the field type safety. So that secondary is a concern of mine. But I still think in terms of you're talking about the front seven, they have one of the best. I think they have uh, up there, they have one of the better front sevens in all, in all football. And Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. But I think the, the importance of a secondary is just as important as the front seven, in my opinion. And I think also another area is, I, I know Bruce Arians certainly doesn't need a great running game to have a great offense, but it'll be interesting to see if they'll try to get an upgrade from uh, Ronald Jones Jr. and Peyton Barber in that. In that well, Peyton contract. Barber's with Washington. They don't have Peyton really? Barber anymore. Yeah, he signed with oh, Washington. Ronald Jones so, actually, I think, is... You know, maybe average, maybe even a bit below average. But I feel like when with the other pieces on that offense, and we've seen how you can get a good running back in the mid to late rounds. You know, we've seen in the past, Alvin Kamara, uh, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Le'Veon Bell. So you can get good running backs in the second, third, fourth, you know, rounds, etc. So I think they really need to focus on the offensive line. And I think that's what where they should go with the 14th pick. But I want to go back to how Tom Brady will affect this team. And I believe it was Dan Orlovsky on ESPN. He said that the average starting distance for a Tampa Bay Buccaneers opponent after Jameis Winston threw an interception, and I could be wrong, so you might have to double-check this, but it was the, the Tampa Bay 39-yard line, meaning... Uh, offenses will get the ball having to go 39 yards for a touchdown. Even if they get five yards, they're in field goal range. So even if, you know, pick sixes might not go towards the defense. But if James is throwing picks deep in his own territory and opponent offenses have a very short field, that's not going to, that's, what what were you going to say, Shai? Said not to mention those seven or, or something pick sixes that he did throw. Yeah, so which was the most NFL history? That too. So that you're looking at defenses; they could allow ten yards, and it's a chip shot field goal, and that goes into their points per game. You know, on these data sites. So I think that's going to really help this defense. And then, secondly, is 
imagine the defense, they get a nice stop, they go on, you know, they go off the field sideline, you know, trying to, you know, maybe watch some film on the tablets, catch their breath, and on the first or second play of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive series, Jameis throws a pick. That takes a toll on their bodies. They don't have time to catch their breath. They don't have time to kind of, re, you know, kind of regain just a sense of kind of what's going on and reflect on what just happened, what can we do better, what can we do for next time. Yeah. It's called, it's a sudden chance situation. So a lot of times when, when a pick is thrown, it's a sudden chance situation. A lot of times offenses will come on the field and try to hit the defense by surprise, and oftentimes it works because, you know, they, they haven't gotten the chance, you said, to catch their breath. And it's a sudden change moment. So they're able to, you know, sort of they come out and they come out with these hurry-up plays and they catch the defense by surprise and they're able to move the ball very quickly in those situations. So, yeah, definitely a big difference maker there. It's definitely what you're talking about. And how many times, even if the Buccaneers even sometimes win these games where within the first five minutes they're down 14 nothing because Jameis has already thrown, like, one or two interceptions. You know, that's not... Having that mindset that, uh, here we go again, down 14 nothing, if they keep coming back... It's okay to have the mindset of, okay, let's get it. Let's come back. But having every game to be down multiple scores within the first five to seven minutes of a football game, that's not how you consistently win games. So Tom Brady, I believe, threw interceptions on 1% of his passes, like under 1% of his passes last year. Jameis threw 30 interceptions last year. I think over the last four years combined, Tom Brady's done 29. So I think the interceptions are going to have, or the the um, regression in interceptions uh, from Brady to Winston, I think is going to have a tremendous impact, not only on the offense and being able to move the ball down the field, but also the defense can catch their breath. The defense doesn't have to consistently work on a short field. So I think this is really going to help the entire team of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And right now, the NFC South is a good division. I think right now they're probably still second behind the Saints, but I definitely think this moves them to the they won they were seven and nine last year, and you had so many one score games where you look at one or two plays, like interceptions or fumbles by Winston, really could change the momentum and complexion of the game. So I really think that the uh, cut down on interceptions that um from, again going from Winston to Tom Brady. I think now you look at a 7-9 and nine team, I think now this could be a 10, maybe, possibly, if they can, if Brady really turns to the fountain of youth, maybe 11 win. But I think this is about a 2-3 two to three win improvement overall. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. A huge acquisition for uh, Tampa Bay. It would be really exciting to see what Bruce Arians is able to do with one of the best, one of the best offensive minds able to do with, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. So, I also very, think that'd be very exciting to watch. I mean, we might have, we might have to go back to the Randy Moss days when Tom Brady had these type of weapons. I mean, it's not just Mike Evans. It's Mike Evans. It's Chris Godwin. It's OJ Howard. It's Cameron Bray. They have four really good weapons that can stretch the field, go underneath, good red zone targets. So I really think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is very well built. I again, I think with they have the fourteenth pick. I mean, there have been, you know, speculation, could they go running back? I don't think that's a uh, good route for them. I think they should focus on the offensive line. Uh, They could take a safety like Xavier McKinney 
I think that might be a little too early for him. But um, over overall, I think this is going to be a massive improvement. And again, remember, with the new collecting bargaining agreement, the NF- this upcoming season, the 2020 season, assuming it's going to be played, is expected to go from six teams per conference to seven teams per conference. So I definitely think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... I already kind of thought they were maybe in that 5-6 to six seed range, but now you add the 7th seed, I definitely think the Buccaneers are going to be a playoff team moving forward under Tom Brady. Oh, and one more fun fact. This year's, the next Super Bowl is in Tampa. A home team or the hosting team slash city has never hosted a Super Bowl. Minnesota was one game away a couple years ago, but then they got blasted by the Eagles. No team has ever done it. Will Tampa under Tom Brady be the first? Yeah, definitely is something to watch there. Um, there's so many more things to talk about. Now, uh, where should where do you want to go next with this? Should uh, we stay quarterback market? I think, yeah, let's go, let's go to Phillip Rivers. Obviously, we kind of yeah. disagree on this one. Um, you can go first, and then I, I can. Because I know we, we disagree on this one. Well, I don't think we... I think, I think I, the Colts are going to be better than you think the Colts are going to be. Let's say that. Right. I think it's a it's a, it's definitely an upgrade and it's a good pickup for them. I just I think that I think I saw a lot of regression last year from Philip Rivers. Now you can blame that on the offensive line. Sure, you can blame. Colts have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and before very true. the Chargers did a good job retooling their offensive line, but not till after Rivers left last year. Rivers Chargers have one of the worst. He's going from one of the worst offensive lines to one of the best. That's very true. But that doesn't justify throwing, uh, being throwing these sort of frustration throws into double coverage deep down the field. That is, and I think part of it is Philip Rivers is 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 sort of is. Well, not only is he getting older, I think he's sort of that trash talking personality is sort of coming in. He's becoming too. He's always he's been that. He's, he's always had that. that he's always had that trash talking personality. I don't see how that know, affects his play. Well, if you let me finish, maybe you would. So I think, I think what, when he, he seems when he plays, he seems to play with frustration. He seems to play sort of with with sort of this. He always plays a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. The chip seems it has grown grown too big. Was sort of and that that those administrators of the offensive line are definitely there. But I think as just trying to take that away. I don't think it justifies sort of his play with the Chargers last season. Was really not something to be beholden. And then you look at, I mean, obviously the, the Colts are obviously thought as one of the one player away, one player away, a quarterback I mean, away to be more specific. Quarterback away, right? So, but I don't think that he is that guy for them. and really going to uplift them. Yes, they'll be a playoff team, definitely AFC. I think so. And that defense, very solid defense, good coaching, Frank Reich. He has connections there. Uh, good, decent, good, good receiving core. I mean. The receiving cores in L.A. and uh, Indianapolis are, you know, I think you could argue that L.A. has probably a better receiving core. Yeah, I'd probably uh, say Chargers have probably a better receiving core. T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, but um, he's got weapons, he's, but I, I'm worried that he's, he's not at that quarterback he was uh, two years ago where he was in that sort of elite tier taking them to the playoffs. We saw a big drop-off, and I think – that's definitely going to factor into them now, Miss Colts, and that's why I do not think he'll be a division winner. But I do think it's a great signing for them, and definitely an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. But the, you were saying two years ago, in 2018, he 
you know, Mahomes was the much-deserving MVP and was better than Rivers, but Rivers put together a top five or so MVP caliber season. He's not that far removed from that type of season. That's my first point. My second point is, what can generate some of that frustration? Oh, how about getting hit every single play? Well, now you go from a terrible offensive line, which the Chargers were, before adding some of, you know, Brian Balaga and making the Trey Turner trade. But now he goes to one of the best offensive lines. Quentin Nelson, Brandon Smith. This offensive line of the Colts is incredible. They re-signed Anthony Costanzo to a two-year $33 million deal. Here's one more thing. Just and my third... No, 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 no. My third point, his head coach is Frank Reich. His offensive coordinator is Nick Serrarini. Both worked with Rivers when they were... When uh, they were located in San Diego, they both know him when he was in his prime. They know how to get the best out of him. Philip Rivers, I'm not saying he's the same guy he was in 2018 because that was incredible. But I think he is better than he was last year. Okay, okay. I definitely think that will help. But let's look at that LA Chargers team. It's a very different team than it was last year. Let's look at perhaps... They had one of the one of the better running games in the NFL when Philip Rivers was playing in 2018. Melvin Gordon has had a great season. They have you know Marlon Mack is a solid running back. He's no Melvin Gordon in 2018. All right. I, uh, okay. Look, look. Marlon Mack probably is worse than Melvin Gordon, but I mean, uh, I in think 28 in 2018. Offensive saying, lines also look. Offensive lines those help running games, don't they? They do, but I'm saying at, at a certain point. I'm saying the Chargers' running game in 2018 is considerably better than the running game that in the Indianapolis Colts had put together last season. Okay, that's fair. That didn't get I think though a better quarter, a better quarterback can help the running game though. Keep that in mind too. Ty well, was out. Paris Campo was out. They had injuries. Yeah. They had injuries everywhere. I mean, they had they had to go to Brian Hoyer with you know with all due respect to Brian Hoyer, he's not a great he's not you know a great quarterback. My, se- my second point would be that let's look at the, the Chargers. The, I mean, the Colts have a good defense, right? They, they have a solid defense. Nothing to not, – not a, not a top 10 defense, I think, by any means. But, I mean, maybe – they, they have a sneaky good line, defense. They have a sneaky good defense. They have a sneaky defense. I don't think it's top 10. I really don't. Uh-huh. And, but let's look at the, the Chargers defense on the other hand in 2018. I think that was actually just a top 10 defense at that time. And I think it, and they had, you know, Casey Hayward was just having a great season. They had Bosa and Ingram coming off of a great edge edge rushing duo there. I mean, and they were both healthy. You know, and you know that 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 whole and go, of course, go to the was healthy. Go to the two thousand eighteen Colts defense. Colts two thousand eighteen uh, defense was very good. It it was it was it was quite good. I I'm just saying that that I I think I'm just kind of putting some um countering your points a little bit. That saying the situation is is going to be different from that 2018 uh, campaign when he was when he was removed from uh, um, to the, the sort of this that caliber season he was removed from. Um, but I do think it's a good signing. We agree on it. We just don't. I don't think we agree on how much of an impact that can have. I have the Titans winning that division right now, and I don't know where you stand on that. I think right but, now it's a toss up. Um... I just think you have to look. Andrew Luck versus Philip Rivers in twenty eighteen. Luck probably had a slightly better year, 
But I think Luck had a better year. No, okay, yeah, he did. But you know, I think he both had very good years. So you go to the Colts team before Luck suddenly retired. We were talking about them competing with the Patriots and Chiefs. We were talking about them competing with the Ravens and Steelers. We were talking about the Colts as a top three or four team in a very good AFC. Now, obviously, we didn't know about Big Ben getting injured, and you know we thought the Patriots would be better than they were. But oh, so let me. So in terms of yards per game, you know, in twenty eighteen, Chai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, in terms of yards per game in 2018, the Colts were 11th. So they were okay. slightly out of top 10. Chargers, Chargers were 9th. Okay. So, I mean, in 2018, their defenses were very similar. Very similar. I just don't think that the that the Colts had this the pass rush with the that the Chargers did that year. I think that pass rush is very dominant. Yeah. That year. Okay, last year, though, they got Justin Houston. He had 11 sacks, and they just brought in DeForest Buckner. Now, I don't think that was a great trade. I think the Niners got the better end of the deal, getting the number 13 overall pick. What do you think of that trade? What do you think of the Niners... Yeah, we can go back and forth on the other issue all day. Maybe we should move on a little bit. Well, yeah. first of all, let's just talk about this DeForest Buckner trade. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Because this was one of the major trades of the offseason. Yeah, I think I'm a little more keen on it for um, for Indianapolis than you are. Um, but I think you're just adding you're adding more playmakers and more guys to that front seven. Now, in my opinion, if you add playmakers to that defense, seven is very solid. But uh, shy, not, shy. Shy, um, you kind of you kind of glitched a little there. Can you just kind of repeat what you were saying? Sure, sure. Um, do you remember the last thing I was saying? Uh, just uh, they were adding playmakers. Adding playmakers, right? Stuff like so. Um, I think when you when you look at where they need to add playmakers, you can probably say that they probably need more help in the secondary than they do in the front seven, because I think the front seven is very solid as it is. Okay, I mean, they have Malik Hooker, who I like. They added Xavier Rhodes on a very team-friendly deal, so I, I like that move for them. They cut Pierre Desir. Yeah, they did, which was a little questionable. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, I think, but, but putting in Buckner, I think, will really help uh, that already good run defense and really help that pass rush, getting that interior pressure, now, the deal they signed to... Four uh, years, $84 million, $21 million per year. That's a little rich for my blood. It is a little rich for my blood, but you always like to say that it's sort of the next man up kind of thing. Like, he gets traded, he goes, gets an, he's going to get an extension, right? So he's up, he was due for one, and the 49ers can give it to him. I think it's a good trade for both you mean sides. The, uh, you mean the Colts could give it to him, or the, the Niners Colts couldn't? Could give it, the, the Niners couldn't. Okay, I thought you said the Niners could for a sec. Keep in mind, just, I just want to chip in about... The Colts had the money to spare. Go ahead. They had the money to spare. They had the picks. And the Niners, they had the 31st overall pick, you know, in the first round. They did not have a pick in rounds two, three, or four. They were... They had no picks. 
they needed another pick. Now they have the 13th pick. They can get creative in terms of they can obviously use both of their first round picks. They can use one. They can trade down with another with one of their others for more picks. So I really like this trade for San Francisco. They couldn't they could not pay Buckner after paying Eric Armstead to his five year $85 million deal. So they picked Buckner, and I think they got great value for him. Indy, I didn't love the trade, but I liked I liked the player. I like Buckner. Pair him with Justin Houston, who again had double-digit sacks last year. Really generate pressure up front. And yeah, they had money to spend. I believe they were only second to Miami in cap space. Uh, Chris Bauer doesn't usually spend a ton of money. So if he has a hunch about a guy... Um, I think you go out and pay them. Again, they had the money. They obviously don't have a first-round pick now, but again, they get very, you know, they have a ton of, uh, I believe, second, third, and fourth-round picks. I believe they actually have the Redskins' second-round pick, which is the second pick of the second round. So if they did want to trade back up in the first, they, could, they can they easily do it. To, I think they could afford to lose that pick. And as you were just saying, they were sort of a quarterback away, which is basically saying, testament to their other team that the other team is sort of ready to, the other parts of their team are ready to compete in that sense so i think it's, it's good to take a sort of a proven young a kind of a young vet if you would uh it's sort of a proven younger guy but still a veteran a guy proven that he can come in make a huge impact on that defensive line and that's why i think and as you mentioned also they do have that second uh overall pick in the second round so I like the trade for Indianapolis, but I also think it's a very smart move by John Lynch and San Francisco. So yeah, and also this is a very winnable division. You know, you have some. There are a lot of good. There's some good teams. Tennessee's going to be good this year. I think Houston can be solid, but this is there's no powerhouse. I know the Titans. You know, had a ten nothing lead in the AFC Championship game, and they might repeat that. But to me, there's an, I don't know if there's really a sign that says this team's going to be better than last year in terms of Tennessee. They might be. They might not be. So I think this is a very winnable decision or division, excuse me. And I think the Colts have the pieces around uh, Phillip Rivers now in the quarterback position to go all in now. Speaking of those very same Houston Texans, <laughs> maybe the most in explicable how do you trade conceivable how do you trade you think of a word deandre so basically this this is my perspective i wake up monday morning you know i see you know i'm checking my phone seeing you know are there rumors for agency is going to start today and i see um hopkins's name flowing out rumors so i'm like okay and you know what i am not against trading wide receivers if you can get a good deal for a receiver, do it. So it's not the fact that they trade Hopkins, it's what they got. But anyway, so I'm like, so I'm seeing Hopkins' name in rumors, so I'm thinking, okay, it, you know, if anything gets done, it'll probably be around the draft. So then, you know, I'm going about the day, you know, I don't want to see much, and then obviously, you know, I'm watching NFL Network, I'm following all the moves, and I see David Johnson traded to the Houston Texans. And the Texans have, like, no picks. I think they had, like, Four or five in the entire draft. They have no picks. So I'm thinking, what could they give up for David Johnson? And in my head, I'm like, what if this was the DeAndre Hopkins, you know, trade? As like a complete joke. I, uh, I was kidding. <laughs> and I'm thinking, the Cardinals were so desperate to give up David Johnson and get rid of his contract, Shy. 
they want they were willing to give up a better pick, like Johnson and a third, to get a fourth. They were willing to give up Johnson and add in a better pick to get a lower pick. That's how bad the David Johnson contract is. He's shown he's been little injury prone over the last few years. He hasn't really had a great year since what, like twenty sixteen? And Kenyon Drake showed he can be more than just an average running back. What is Bill O'Brien, the general manager, doing? Like, Bill O'Brien, he's not a great head coach, but I think he's not the worst head coach. He might be the worst GM. I mean, Shy, please explain to me this trade from Houston's perspective, because you don't... Devontae Freeman, cut. Todd Gurley, cut. There's a reason why these running backs are getting cut. You don't... Take on big contracts for running backs. The Cardinals learned that the hard way, and they're begging for any for anyone to take David Johnson for like anything. And you give up DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, a second rounder, and then you give up a fourth. Now they also received a fourth, but they swapped fourth rounders. I'm a Giants fan. When they trade Odell for a first, third, and Jabril Peppers, I didn't love that trade. But this trade, oh my goodness gracious. I have no words. I, I have words. All the words that you said, I think, I completely and absolutely agree with. I, you asked me to explain this one to you. I, I don't know. I've tried thinking about it, and it does nothing make sense. Now, obviously, as what we're hearing is that the relationship between uh, yes. Phil O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins was not great. and But it doesn't mean that you trade your best receiver, the, one of the best receivers in the league, you know, when your young quarterback is butting into a superstar in his prime, to take on a one of the worst contracts in the NFL. Running back. He's not. He's actually not that old. He's not that old. Um, for a running back. That yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. But again, I don't have a problem with them trading DeAndre Hopkins. I have a problem trading for them trading DeAndre Hopkins. Given what they're getting, they don't have a first round. They don't have a first round pick this year or next year. Shy, they traded two, not one, but two first round picks for their franchise left tackle Larry Tunsil. Okay, you know, protect Deshaun Watson. But they gave up two first round picks for two thousand twenty and two thousand twenty one. They don't have a first round pick over the next two years, and you can't get a first round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. This trade, I think, would have been better if they just gave a second and a fourth. And even if they had to give a fourth, this trade might be better if they just got a second without the David Johnson contract. The David, the David Johnson, David Johnson. This trade is a negative. Yeah, I mean, we can just be saying the same thing just over and over and all day about how dumbfounded we are about this. Really, the utter. I'm gonna say the utter stupidity of Bill O'Brien. I mean, like. This is ridiculous. You know, uh, this, this is what I... You know, I, I used to... Jo- you know, I would joke around with Dave Gettleman. You have... And I guess Bill Bryan now joins this group, if not lower. You have your chess players. You know, your Eric DaCosta. I think uh, Howie Roseman, maybe. John Lynch. You have your... You know, th- those are your chess players. Your chess players. Then you have your checkers players. Which is the majority of GMs. You know, fine. Not great, though. Then you have your four piece puzzle. You know, like as a as like a really little kid, you know, you have like the four piece puzzle where like the pieces are like blocks. 
Yeah, that that's you know, I initially thought that was what Dave Gettleman was doing. Dave Gettleman, if he's doing a four piece puzzle, what the is Bill Bryant what's Bill Bryant doing? I don't know. That this trade I, w- I wish I could explain it and make Texans fans feel better. But, by the way, if you're Kyler Murray and you're the Cardinals, you pulled off a complete robbery. You robbed them of DeAndre Hopkins. Tremendous job by the Cardinals. Robbed Deshaun Watson. Imagine Bill O'Brien going to Deshaun Watson. Hey, yeah, I traded um uh, the number one wide receiver, one of the best in the league, for um an older... Injury-prone, injury-prone, overpaid running back, and a second-round pick. What do you think of that? Isn't that fantastic? And also, it's not like he has to see him once as, like, the GM. He's going to have to see him every day as the head coach. How do you, not just to watch it, how do you explain to your whole team? Oh, and to make matters worse, then they go out and pay Randall Cobb a three-year, $27 million deal. I'm sorry, Randall Cobb is worth $9 million? Since when? Maybe four years ago. I mean... Robbie Anderson signed a two-year, $20 million deal. Robbie Anderson is with, with the Panthers. Robbie Anderson is, I believe, much younger and more of a big play threat. Robbie Anderson is more, in my opinion, more than $1 million per year more worth more than Randall Cobb. And it was a shorter-term deal. Cobb is three years. I thought Cobb would just sign with Dallas on, like, a, you know, go back to Dallas on a team-friendly deal. Three years, 27, on top of the Hopkins trade. Kyle Murray is Kyle Murray's probably smiling from ear to ear. Probably can't stop smiling. <sighs> All right, let's go. Let's get to another move that, uh, obviously, not as big of a head scratcher, but at least for me, this move was a head scratcher. Teddy Bridgewater signing a three-year, sixty-three million dollar deal with the Carolina Panthers, twenty-one million per year. I think you're high. You're, our, our roles are kind of reversed compared to the Phil Rivers. You're higher on this move compared to me because I don't really see what Carolina is doing. Yeah, I do. I do. I think um, this this guy is a competitor. He is he is a winner. I think he's a winner. He's right. a winner. This, okay. this is like this is like the Stephen A. Max Kellerman debate I was watching. Yeah, I, I I actually I saw that too. Uh, see, Max, and you're more of a Stephen A. Yeah, I, I don't think, think he... Fine. Let's not have that debate right now because we have so much more to talk about. But let me just get... What has he won so... Opinion. He might be a winner, but he hasn't shown that yet, in my opinion. I would argue with you, but I th- I know we have so much more to discuss. All right, just keep going. State, state yeah, your state argument, and I'll state mine. Here's the thing. All right, they're, they're, they're bringing in a guy. He's, he's a proven guy. He, he knows... The Panthers are not a team that wants to rebuild. They're they're a team that that that, that wants that wants to go out and wants to win games. And they want to win now, and that's completely fine with the with this move. This is a pretty for all the quarterbacks that are getting paid. This deal is quite affordable, actually, in my opinion. Teddy Bridgewater has shown with the right weapons around him, he is not going to beat himself. He can read the defense quickly. He makes quick, accurate throws, and. I think with the white rep weapons around him, you got Robbie Anderson there, you got DJ Moore. I, I, I think, and then obviously you have Christian McCaffrey to take the burden off. I mean, if you develop his offensive line a little bit more, I mean, obviously the Turner trade was not good for They them. did get Russell Kuhn, so they did trade, trade Turner. They did get a tackle. Turner's younger, 
and probably has a more upside. I think he's already made five Pro Bowls, and he's only like 26. Uh, so I'd probably rather... The Chargers probably won that trade, but they do get a tie. It's not like they have no alignment now. They did get Russell Okung in that trade. Right. I, 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 I'm just saying, it's a little downgrade. But And, and honestly, they, they're in position to get, you know, with the uh, seventh overall pick, to get a playmaker on that, on that defense. Because I think that's a solid defense, especially... If you if you figure out sort of build of the field avoided the retired Luke Keekley, you're looking at a pretty solid team that's going to be on the up and coming, in my opinion. You know, this is this is this is a team that's going through a little bit of of a sort of not a sort of a rebuild that we're seeing from teams like your Giants, but kind of a, a or the Jaguars, or the Jaguars, a complete tear down there. But this is sort of a semi rebuild where they're kind of are the kind of they're kind of David Tepper is kind of making his mark on the organization, but still saying that he wants to win some football games. I'm completely fine with that. I love this move. I don't, I don't know if I love it, but I certainly like the move, and I, I think it's definitely an upgrade over an injury-prone Cam Newton that was not doing anything great for them in, in Carolina. I don't get I Look, Cam Newton, I think you do one of two things. Go all in on one of the better quarterbacks or one more year of Cam, because it was before they cut him, only one year left on his deal. Or you completely tank the season with Kyle Allen. You trade Kyle Allen to Washington, you cut Cam. Fine, you want to draft the quarterback this year and trade up, or do you want to tank with like Will Greer and see and tank for Trevor? I don't know if Bridgewater is the one. I love Bridgewater. I was really excited to see where he would end up. But for me... Carolina is probably another... I thought Bridgewater would get more of a two-year deal. You can kind of see how the first year goes, then maybe you can develop another quarterback under him. I have no idea what Carolina is doing. For me, they're not rebuilding, and I don't think... I don't, in that division, I think they might be the the worst team in that division. So... I would disagree. Okay, you want to put Atlanta over... Okay, you want to put I, them over Atlanta. I, I, okay, but either way, I don't think they're a playoff team. They're not a playoff team. No, but the, I think in a, in a year or two, is, we will be in that position. And I, so, and okay, I two, year, two years there are play. We're looking at the 17 playoff in a, t- in a heavy AFC. I think in a NFC. AFC, I know. Then I, 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 think, I think it's possible. I certainly do think it is. I mean, yeah, but I just think they would have been much better off either pushing all their chips in this year and seeing how one more year goes. Or completely tanking the season away for a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. For me... I don't really see what Carolina is doing. I think they're one of those teams that they're not going all the way in, but they're not completely tanking. And for me, the worst part to be in is stuck in the middle. And for me, I don't mind if they signed Bridgewater, but I think I would have thought a one or two year deal made much more sense than the three year deal they gave him. We haven't, yeah, I mean, we've seen Bridgewater. Look, I hope Bridgewater succeeds and the Panthers, you know, exceed all expectations. But I don't know if this was the right move, and I and we don't know if Bridgewater can truly be the franchise quarterback that we once thought he could be before the horrific knee injury. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't see, I don't think this is a great deal for Carolina. I think they should have, uh, I think they should have gone one way or another. And for me, they went right smack down the middle, which in my opinion is not the way to go for any franchise, regardless of the sport. I dis- I disagree with you on that, and I think I again I, yeah, I draw. Do you want me to? I know we're short on time. I'm actually not looking at it right now, but 
just because you have the uh, recording device. But I, I, I think that they're, they're, they're a year or two away, and I think that's fine. They can get something going with Bridgewater. They've got young, good, nice young receivers there. Christian McCaffrey is, is you know, was in the MVP conversation at one point. In the so was Gurley, now look at him. I, I think I think we both know that Christian McCaffrey is more is more of a dual we, threat than Todd Gurley. Yeah. Todd it's not about dual threat. Man. It's not, it has nothing more, to do. It's all about injury concerns. Yes, yeah, so Gurley was perfectly healthy that year. No one saw anything coming, and then all of a sudden he had injury concerns in the past. Though he had he had knee issues in the past. I mean, we haven't seen that with with McCaffrey. And and I and I I just think that you can't. I just don't with, think you can say, oh, well, they have McCaffrey, and look, running back lives are very with short. Ky- with Kyle, what about Devontae Freeman? What about Devontae Freeman? Look at he's all of a sudden very injury prone. Look at David Johnson. Look at Demarco Murray and Jamal Charles. If you want to go a few years back, Sean McCoy, another example. I'm just saying they've got a great running back. Okay. They do, and but again. Two or three years I, I down the road, we really don't know. I hear you. I hear you. But I, I, I'm just saying this offense has promise, even this year. And I think that if they develop that defense a little bit, this they could be a wild card team potentially. Not this year, maybe next year, and we'll and we'll look at them competing for a division. And and I think not, but not sort because like you look at teams like the Giants and the Jaguars, they're in they're in a, they're three years away. I think three four years away. And I think uh, maybe maybe the Giants are more three, Jaguars maybe more of a four, but but I think Panthers I think we're looking at a two year away team, and I think that's, and that's Bru- perfect. Here's the thing though, if Bridgewater doesn't work out this year, they could be a lot more than that. I think I think that's true, but I think the reason why they are, I think when you draft a guy, uh, I think it's it's gonna be a head or a mess. And I think they I think that's they true. feel it is for any person uh, think, or team or situation. I, but I think it's more. They feel more confident with what they have in Bridgewater. They've seen what he was able to do with a good team with the Saints, uh, staying at division. So, I I I, uh, I I like the move. You don't like it as much. Well, agree and disagree. Yeah. So let's go. We're we're gonna uh, kind of stop the quarterback talk at least maybe for now. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. Eric Flowers, Byron Jones, Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy. Obviously, the biggest prize is Byron Jones. The Dolphins have the best cornerback duo in the NFL. How do you, how do you like that? I like it a lot. I like it a lot for Brian Flores, and I don't think this is they're they're going to be the worst team in that division this year. I think they are they are going to improve, and I don't think Brian Flores is is the coach. I think he wants to win, and I I think that's for the, well, every the coach thing. wants to win. Right, but I think <laughs> I think he's coming from that sort of New England Bill Belichick system where like yeah, so so is Bill. Okay, a lot of coaches have failed. Matt Patricia, uh, we just saw Bill O'Brien not do a great trade. Point is, I think the Dolphin, it goes beyond Bill, or sorry, not Bill O'Brien, Brian Flores. It goes to Chris, it goes to Chris Greer, the general manager. They are so well run, in my opinion, from top to bottom, what they've been able to do in just a year, when they you know, they trade Larry Tunstall, they trade Minkum Fitzpatrick, they cut Rashad Jones. People are saying, oh my god, this will be a five-year rebuild, if that. They sign Byron Jones, they bring in Eric Flowers. This team has the makings of something that can be really good. Now, granted, you have to be patient. They're not going to, I still don't think they'll be quite competitive this year. But instead of maybe being five years, 
Maybe it can be three to four. You know, they're incredibly well coached. At least that's what we saw from this year. It look it seems like they're very well well run in terms of the free free agency. They have three first round picks. They have multiple first round picks, I believe, in next year's class. Because remember, they got two first round picks for Laramie Tunsil. They got another first round pick from Minka Fitzpatrick. You pair. They have money to spend, and they spent it. I love the Byron Jones signing to pair with Xavier Howard. Kyle Van Noy, very good linebacker. Shaq Lawson, serviceable. He'll be fine. Uh, they need to improve that offensive line. The Flowers signing was probably a little rich. Three years, $30 million. Same with Lawson. But hey, they had money to spend. They spent it. And with the with the expected gigantic um, leap in cap space for next year, with the new collective bargaining agreement, they're... Every team is still going to have tons of money to spend. I really like what Miami's doing. I really like the Byron Jones deal. And, hey, they got a bit of a discount because of the um, no no taxes in uh, Miami. Yeah, so, I, I grant, I think we agree on this one for once. Uh, How do you like that? I know. It only took us 45 minutes. Of course. It's better than usual. So, <laughs> I think... I think that I agree with you. It's a great rebuild. They're looking great over there. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what direction they go uh, next year. They have to get the quarterback right. That's the number one priority. you got to get the quarterback right. Yeah. If they get that quarterback right, let's say it's Tua, maybe it's going to be Herbert. Love. Who knows? Maybe it's Burrow if they do something crazy like that. So, I don't think Cincinnati's going to let him go unless Miami maybe offers all of their first-round picks. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... You never know. So I, I Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Right? We, we've seen that firsthand with Bill O'Brien. We know. <laughs> so, we're... Yeah, I think I think they're not going to be the worst team in that division. You, so you think the black. Jets... You'll think the Jets are, or do you think the Patriots? Cause I, think the, I, I, I think the Jets will be the worst in that division, actually. Okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, I agree on that one. Let's let's stay on. in the division for another wide receiver trade. Stephon Diggs being traded to the Buffalo Bills for a first round pick and a bunch of other mid to late round picks. I actually really like this trade from Minnesota. Diggs was really unhappy in Minnesota, and to get first of all, Minnesota got a first rounder for Stephon Diggs, but Houston got a terrible contract for DeAndre Hopkins. Let that sink in, but. I'm, you know, it could have been because the Hopkins trade was still fresh in my mind. That's why I thought it was a great trade. But I just think overall, you can get a first-round pick. You know, not a great first-round pick, but still. Now they have two first-round picks. I th- I really like this trade for Minnesota. I think I like this trade for Buffalo. Now you get to pair uh, Diggs with John Brown. Two great explosive deep threats. You have Cole Beasley, kind of the safety blanket over the middle. This is this is the year for Josh Allen to step up and prove he was worth the Bills trading up into the top ten to take him. Yeah, I, I really I like this trade for Buffalo. I like it a lot. I think I think Minnesota got great value though. I really I do. Think it, I think it's a very even trade, but I like it for Buffalo. I think you're getting a proven guy. See, a lot of times when you get when you try to draft a receiver or just like the direction that Buffalo was going to go with the first round, you don't know what you're getting. It could be a hit or a miss. And I think you're getting a guy that you know can produce, a playmaker in digs, to pair with that big arm of Josh Allen and, and John Brown on the other side. Really had a really sneaky good season last year. 
only going to make this offense better with a budding uh, Singletary at running back, decent O-line. They signed Josh and, Norman. They signed Josh Norman, and I know he was right. he hasn't been great the last couple of years, but he's not going to be covering the number two guys with a lockdown Tredavious White. No pressure on him with only it being a one-year deal. Yeah. I think that can be a sneaky good signing, too, for Buffalo. Right now, the Bills are—I think it's the Bills' division to lose. When, when was the last time we said that? Yeah, I know. Not I in my lifetime. Bills, exactly. I think the Bills have, are going to be a very good team next season, and I would not be surprised if by the end of the year we are talking about them as possible Super Bowl contenders. So I have a question for you as we move to our next trade. Sure. DeAndre Hopkins or Darius Slay? In terms of what? Who would you rather trade for? DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. That's because the Eagles went the other way. They were de- they they had a chance to acquire DeAndre Hopkins. They end up acquiring Darius Slay. I really they only gave up a third and a fifth though, so we don't know about the compensation. I actually really like the tra- the Darius Slay trade though. I'm not saying they should have gone Slay instead of Hopkins. Now just talking about the Slay trade independent. Of the Hopkins trade, I really like this trade for Philly. He only gave up a third and a fifth for one of the best cornerbacks in the league. The Eagles have constantly struggled in the secondary, especially it seems like all their guys always get injured for some reason. So I really like this trade for Philadelphia. They now have one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. They signed him to about a $17 million per year deal, which uh, makes him the highest paid cornerback. But I think when you look at like, oh, it's always the next guy compared to what some of the other cornerbacks were getting. I think it was a fairly fair, pretty fair deal for Philly. So I really like this deal for the Eagles. And for the Lions, they had to trade him. He was unhappy. There's only one year left on his deal. He really didn't like Matt Patricia. He disrespected him as a person. So a third and a fifth isn't terrible compensation given the circumstance. But for Philly, I love the deal for them. Yeah, I, I really like for Philadelphia as well. That secondary has been sort of the... Sort of Iffy, the, to say the... The Achilles heel for that team, if you will. So, I I think really getting a... And they still have work to do in the secondary, but I think getting a really good veteran corner in Slay will certainly help and wonders that team in the secondary. And there's a lot of other signings that they've made. They're looking like, not a lot, but they have certainly a very good chance at a very winnable uh, NFC East. Yeah, I think Slay... He can guard the number ones. He can travel into the slot. He can travel all over. You don't need to worry now about covering the Amari Coopers of the world, the DeAndre Hopkins, the Michael Thomases. Slay will take care of those players. Tremendous. I really like Darius Slay. I think he still can get better, which I think is really dangerous. So great trade by Philly. Again, Detroit, they had to get rid of him uh, just for interior, you know, just they're, they weren't getting along and he wasn't going to be the long term. So, again, given the circumstances, not the worst compensation, but not great either. So, <clears throat> let's go to Cleveland. They made really two big signings, among others, but they signed Austin Hooper to a four-year, $42 million deal, and then another $42 million deal over three years for Jack Conklin. I love the Jack Conklin. They needed offensive line, guard, center, tackle, you name it. They needed to upgrade this offensive line. And to get him on a three-year, $42 million, it's only three years. So they're not, if it doesn't work out, they're not in, you know, they're not stuck in a contract long-term. And when you look at what some of the other guys are getting, what Laramie Tunsil and Trent Williams might be getting soon, I think this was a great deal 
for Cleveland and also for Jack Conklin. Now he can get maybe a third contract when he's still fairly young. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with him on the Conklin deal. They need to help Baker out a little bit on the offensive line. Hopefully this will help him cut down the numerous sort of iffy mistakes, questionable mistakes from that sophomore slump and help him get into a, sort of a third time of charm here there for Baker and Cleveland. Um, yeah, I, like, I definitely think it's a good signing for Cleveland. I think I, I like the Hooper deal too. Just I like the Conklin deal more because they we know they have weapons. I mean... They have Landry, they have Odell, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt on the backfield. They have weapons. So when Hooper was the first deal announced, I'm like, oh, good deal, but that doesn't address their their need. That doesn't address what you know bothered them all last year. So knowing they were able to sign Hooper and still sign Jack Conklin to, again, given the years, in my opinion, a pretty, t- not exactly team-friendly, but fader deal, because I thought Conklin was about to blow the roof off the offensive line market, which, you know, again, looking at with some of the other offensive linemen, Lyman either have got or are about to get. I think it was a very good deal, really, for both sides. So, let's go to maybe one of the more underrated deals of this offseason. The Chicago Bears signing Robert Quinn to a five-year, $70 million deal. That really caught my eye. But you look at what Quinn did. He had one of, if not the best, pass rush win rate among all football. He's really underrated. The steal may have been a little much, especially considering it was five years. But the Bears, I think now you get Quinn and Khalil Mack, that'll be lethal. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there uh, again. So, I, I... We're on a roll. Yeah, I know. So, I I think the Bears, you know, the, the Nick Foles trade ex- uh, upset a lot of people, but... I think business signing that Bears fans in the end would be very happy with. Yeah, let's go to that Nick Foles trade. What are your thoughts on the Nick Foles trade? Awful. For which Apparently side? For, for Chicago. For Chicago. Chicago. I think I he's going. He's going to take. He's going to take over from Mitchell Trubisky. It might not be week one, but this is basically planning out like Tannehill and Marietta. I think by the end of the year, barring any injuries, Nick Foles will be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Okay, fair, fair enough. I just don't, I don't trust either of them as quarterbacks. Well, I mean, it depends. If Bo starts off at a back as a backup, he'll be great. Of course. I mean, I just, I don't trust the consistency of either of them right now. As I mean, I think. I mean, I trust Foles more than Trubisky. I agree. I do as well, but I think I don't trust that contract. I think that contract makes me trust Foles less and even more skeptical. I, I don't like the Bears taking on that contract. I'd be much happier with that if the Bears... If, if the, I'm much happier I think the, the Jaguars Bears. still owe him a good amount of dead money, and I think they, restruct, they restructured it, though, so if Foles does have success, the last couple like the last couple years, year or two, the contract will void. So it's not terrible for Chicago. Plus, I think, as I said, sooner rather than later, I think he's going to end up being the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, maybe. I would have liked... Sort of a different direction. If they don't have a first-round pick, though, so they, it's yeah. not like they could they, draft a quarterback. decided to trade for an Andy Dalton, I might like that more. I thought, man, I thought that was going to be a Mariota landing before he went to the Raiders. Yeah, I would have liked that, too. Or if, a Cam Newton, maybe, I would have not minded. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of this. Okay. Uh, let's kind of finish it up with the Los Angeles Chargers. They were able to trade. Obviously, we talked about the Russell and Kuhn for Trey Turner. They signed Brian Bulaga. They added Limbo Joseph on that defensive line. 
And then they signed Chris Harris for the secondary. Casey Hayward, Derwin James, Chris Harris in the secondary, Melvin Ingram, Joey Boat, Osa, Linville Joseph on that defensive line. You look at the offense. What do you? Th- I really like what the Chargers have done off season this off season, and I think it really sets them up for a potential rookie quarterback coming in. And also, Terod Taylor, he's a, he's not a t- you know he might not be a great quarterback, but he's I think more I think he's a serviceable, serviceable. quarterback that can get. He won't turn the ball over. He can get the job done to an extent if he has the right pieces around him. And I think he can be a great mentor if they do draft a Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, someone of that caliber. Yeah, I I think this sets them up perfectly as well to go take that Justin Herbert or that young left quarterback uh, there at um, pick six, I believe they have. Yeah, they have the sixth so, overall pick. And so, trade up, maybe? You never know. So I, I definitely like uh, what they've done. And uh, hopefully that they'll help them move on from uh, Philip Rivers. Yeah, I just think, yeah, I, I I don't know if they'll be ultra competitive because that quarterback spot is still a bit of a question yeah, they're mark. They're gonna need a time for to develop their young guy. But I think they've given him time. They've given him the opportunity to learn with this this very nice receiving core they have with Allen and Williams. As you said, a lot of these additions, just key additions along the offensive line, and the strong defense it will help him. Uh, uh, get there soon. I think they're probably a year away. Yeah, they got a great bargain on Chris Harris Jr. I just think this defense, although they do have some big free agents coming up, so getting the quarterback on the rookie deal will be important. You upgrade the offensive line, which was their biggest weakness and a big reason why why I think they struggled last year. You bring back Hunter Henry on the franchise tag. Hopefully, maybe they'll be able to hammer out a long-term extension. I really like what the Chargers are doing. And, you know, Terod Taylor, again, he might not be the flashy name. And obviously it won't help them get a fan base. But I think that they can be not, uh, again, that's the Chiefs division to lose. I think it'll be a major upset if they don't win the division, um, KC. But I think the Chargers can hang in there with some, uh, you know, with the Raiders, with the Broncos. And I, I could see them easily, fin- you know, not I could see them finishing, you know, second, maybe ahead of Oakland or Vegas, excuse me, Las Vegas. In Denver, because I, you know, I think Terod Taylor is a fine quarterback, and they have the pieces yep. around him, both offensively and defensively. One more. I know I said that was the last one. I want to get to one more quick in like the next minute. Um, Fowl, uh, Fowler, Fowler Jr. Um, to the Atlanta Falcons, three years. Uh, I believe it was forty-eight million, so sixty million a year. I thought that was a little much, but he has shown over the last couple years with the Rams, he has been way more productive. What are your thoughts, along with Todd Gurley going to the Falcons? Yeah, the Falcons, I, I don't trust them as a team. They have so much talent, and it always seems to just go to waste with losing seasons. I think Dan, Dan Quinn's on the hot seat, though, so they got to win this Dan year. Dan Quinn should have been fired two years ago. Wow, two I, years ago. Two years ago. I, I, I mean, it looks like a good signing, but you never know with this team. I, I just they, they frustrate me. Gurley's going back to where he went to college. Hopefully, you know, maybe he can find something back to when he was the really the most feared running back. Fowler, he's been much better as of late. Sixteen million per year is probably a little too much, but I think. I always say a little when it comes to free agency, a little overpay is not an overpay because when you get into these bidding wars, anything goes. 
So now we didn't get to every move. Obviously, the Giants signed James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, Corey Littleton, going to the Raiders, Joe Sherbert to the Jaguars. But we just want to say stay safe, stay inside, and that will be all for Game Time Podcast. See ya!